The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Well, I'm excited to get into this. Uh, as always, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to share what God's been teaching me through his word and through my time in prayer and, and just by living it out in community with the God that people has placed in my life. So uh, thank you for being here and thank you, Pastor Andy, for uh, giving me the opportunity to do this. And this morning we're going to get into this idea of how, a favor that is bigger than our failure. And when we talk about the favor of God... I've heard a lot in different Christian circles and, and some of these different sayings like, um, you know, oh, man, the favor of God is on his life. Or, or something like, man, you can just see the favor of God just moving on her and through her. As if favor is something that's unique or special or specific to an individual person or that there's something about just who they are that garners and earns this, uh, this favor of God. And, and while those sound nice and we want to, you know, honor the good things that God is doing, the reality is, is that favor isn't exclusive. It's not unique to one person. It's not unique to one individual person. And, and I've found that when we talk about the favor of God, we often have a misunderstanding of the favor of God in other people's lives and a lack of awareness of the favor of God in our life. And I experienced that firsthand this week when Jenna's parents came to town and on Monday I smoked a brisket all day long because her dad loves brisket so much and I was so excited to make it so I smoked it and had it ready and, and, you know, and put it in the refrigerator. He, when he first arrived he had a piece that was hot off the smoker and he's like, oh, this is so good. Well, over the course of this whole entire week, like nobody was eating the brisket and on Saturday morning, yesterday morning, I'm like, man, nobody's touching this and so I thought like, okay, like, Maybe he doesn't want to eat it for health reasons or he's trying to do something. I have no idea. And so, you know, on, on, on Saturday as he was leaving, I said, hey, like, you can have some of this brisket if you want. And he said, oh, my gosh. I thought because you're, I said, I eat, I'm an animal-based diet, right? All I eat is animal products. He's like, I thought it was for you and only for you. And so I didn't want to touch it. I was like, oh, my gosh, by all means. So I loaded up the whole bag, put him on the plane with it, and he's sending me pictures of it, you know. He's like, just made brisket nachos, and all I can say is, darn good. <laughs> and so often we have that same mindset with the favor of God. We see it in other people's lives, and we think that's for them. The good things they have going on, the, the, the opportunities, the gifts, the skills, the talents, the circumstances, man, that's for them. And just not the case. And I found that even in my own life, the level of my awareness of the immense favor of God is not to scale. And I know I'm not the only one in here. And that statement isn't unique to me. The immense favor of God is not exclusive to me or special to me. And, and my lack of awareness isn't something that is only that, that only I experience. We all experience a lack of awareness of God's favor in our lives to varying degrees. And we all are aware of the different failures and the different faults that we have. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says that there is no one who is always good who never sins, which is a clear indicator that this person has never met Jenna Bertels, because everything that woman does is always good. 
You know somebody's saying that when they're in trouble, right? <laughs> i got to dig myself out as best as I can. Just kidding. Uh, but all jokes aside, the reality is that we've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. And we've all failed at some point in our lives. But the good news is that the favor of God freely justifies us and makes us right with God. And we're going to get into that this morning. And so a few definitions of favor to clarify and to define what we're talking about because we're not talking about that food delivery service, you know, that H-E-B bought, favor where you can, you know, order some food and it comes your way. I don't know, if you guys ever hear about that rapper that spent $40,000 on food delivery services for Uber Eats and Postmates? That's crazy. But we're not talking about that kind of favor where we deliver something. This is what we're talking about. A couple of standard English dictionaries define Favor as a kind or helpful act, approval. Some of my favorites are over-generous preferential treatment, which I think pairs perfectly with unfair preferential treatment. When I look at the favor of God in my own life, there is nothing fair about it. When I look at who I was before Christ, and I look at the different people I get to share life with, the different opportunities, the, the, be able to walk through a park and see the sun rise, be able to see cardinals and, and owls float by and fly by, and all of this different, all this favor. It is over generous. The ability to be able to share life with y'all, this is over generous, and it's the favor of God that is active and moving in and through my life and through our lives. And it was completely overwhelmed with the pain of life. I remember a time where I was just completely overwhelmed with the pain of life and just wrecked and crushed by the guilt and the shame that I was experiencing for trying to handle the pain in my own way and to deal with the pain in my own way. And I was in one of those angry cry fits with God. And I'm, I'm crying and I, and I just I remember saying to the Lord, I never asked for any of this. I never asked to be born. I never asked to be abused. I never asked to be abandoned. And here I am in this life dealing with this giant thing called life, this big old heaping pile of garbage. I never asked for any of it. And as I sat there crying into my fists, I saw these images of, of a sunset over the Pacific Ocean and, and different people that God had placed in my life at that time. And even like I saw like a guitar and this image of a guitar kind of float by. And, and it was as if God was saying to me, Kyle, no, you never asked for any of the pain you suffered. But you also never asked for me to create a sunset over the ocean, or a sun, you know, sunset over the ocean. Uh, you never asked for me to, to create guitars and music and to give you the ability to be able to play. God, you never asked for me to put these people in your life to support you and to be there for you. Kyle, you never asked for me to go to the cross and to die for you, but I did it anyway because I love you. And that favor that God was showing me is the same for you. That we never asked to be born. We never asked for the pain. We never asked for all of the responsibility and all the, the burden of having to respond to life. We also never asked for Jesus to die for us. And he did it anyway because he loves us. That is the favor of God for us. And that's the favor of God for, for you as well, for me and for you. Now, let's look at favor from a biblical standpoint. From the Old Testament to the New Testament in Hebrew, Aramaic, Latin, all of it translated to the English versions that we read today, the clear purpose of favor is to bring us into a right relationship with God and to empower us to be able to walk out 
the calling and the purpose that he has for us. And if we look, excuse me, in Exodus 33, 13, Moses, he makes the most mind-boggling but somehow perfect statement in Exodus 33:13. Listen to this. He says, if I have found favor in your sight, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your way so I can know you and find favor in your sight. And he finishes it up with, consider too that these, are your, that these people are yours. See, Moses understood that the favor of God was there to bring him into a right relationship with him, with God, and to empower him to fulfill the calling and the purpose that he had for his life. Now, without going into too much of a history lesson, Moses was the leader of the Israelites as they left Egypt. And he had this huge responsibility to lead a massive number of people into a right relationship with God. And Moses knew that he had zero chance of doing any of it, of fulfilling any of the calling that God had for him without the favor of God. And he knew that that favor created an opportunity to draw close to God, to receive the favor, to receive what Moses needed in order to fulfill the calling and the purposes of his life. And you and I, we have zero chance of fulfilling the calling and the purpose that God has for us, of walking out in our identity without the favor of God in our lives. And through and through entirely, completely, this is a gift. There's no earning favor. There's no manufacturing favor. Check out what Ephesians 2, 1 through 9 says. It's not going to be up there because it's a lot of verses. I'm going to read them. This is what the favor of God looks like. Ephesians 2, if you have a Bible, you can open up. Uh, starting in verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is by grace you have been saved, and for he raised us up from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believe. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast. That is the unfair and overgenerous favor of God, that while we were dead, Christ reached down God reached out and made us alive in Christ. There's nothing fair about that, and it is completely overgenerous. And if we want to put who was treated more fairly while on earth, on the scales, Jesus wins every time. Because he was perfect. He did nothing wrong. And he came in the perfection to die for our sin. And if we talk about who was treated more unfair, he wins every time. And here's the thing that blows my mind about that. Watch this. In Isaiah 53.3, it says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. This unfair, overgenerous favor of God brings healing to our souls. 
It brings healing to our hearts and to our minds. It sets us free from depression. It sets us free from a purposeless, hopeless life. It empowers us. It allows us to live life in a new way. What was deserved was death and punishment. What is available is salvation and eternal life in Christ Jesus. And we have an unhindered and pure relationship with God. Like Hebrews 4.16 says, we can boldly and with confidence approach God's throne to receive the grace and mercy for our time of need. Man, the access that we have because of the favor of God, that we can boldly approach God's throne in confidence. There's another verse in Ephesians 3, 2. It says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. That is the favor that is available to all of us. To be free from sin. To be in a right relationship with God. And to be empowered to live life in a new way. And so if all of this unearned and over-generous favor is available to us, what should our response be? What should we do with all of this favor God has shown us? If we go back to Moses in Exodus 32, verse 11, there's a, there's a phrase in there. We find that Moses, it says that Moses sought the favor of the Lord. And if you look at what that word is in Hebrew, it's a, it's a Hebrew word, and I'm going to butcher it, which I think is how you speak Hebrew anyway. It's hala. <laughs> so it's hala. And what that means is it, it's, it's, it's funny because he sought favor of the Lord, but he uses this term hala. And what it means is to, um, here we are, to be or become weak, sick, grieved, or sorry. And so when... Moses is seeking the favor of the Lord. He's recognizing his own weakness. He's recognizing the grief. He's recognizing that the source of favor is God. The source of all that he needs to be able to, to, to have a life of peace, to have a life of joy, to be able to do what God has called him to do is found in his relationship with God. And if we ever want to see the favor of God move in us and through us, we have to do what Moses did when he sought the Lord and come and humble ourselves and, 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 and recognize our own weakness and, and feel the weight of the brokenness of the people around us. That's called empathy, to be able to say, man, my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors, my family, man, they're broken, they're hurting. God, please help. We need your favor I need your favor. I can't do anything about it. I'm weak, God. I'm weak, and I need you to move. James 4.10 says to humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Proverbs 3.34, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, which is a, a proverb that uh, Peter references in 1 Peter 5. And then in 1 Peter 5.6, Peter continues, and he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now, the whole point of our existence is to be in a right relationship with God. And sin screwed it up, but favor has made a way for us to walk away from living a life that pursues sin, death, and sadness. And favor has made a way for us to be able to, to pursue Jesus, to follow Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's the favor of God. That's what has the opportunity that has been created for us uh, with the favor of God. 
And the first step is to humble ourselves, is to repent, to turn away from that way of living and to turn towards Jesus, who has all the favor and everything available for us to be able to live in a completely new way that really doesn't make much sense, which we'll get into in a minute. And so our first step in this, so there's three, there's three responses that I've found, and this is not exhaustive, but the first step is to repent, and then from there we receive, and then from there we redistribute or give back or share what God has done. And so when we repent, sin is wiped away and refreshment comes. Watch what Acts 3.19 says. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. When we repent and we are able to have that favor wash away our sins, the weight, the burden, the stress, the fear, the anxiety, the guilt, the shame, it all goes away. And refreshment comes. And we begin to see ourselves and the people around us in a new way. We begin to see God in a new way as he ministers to our spirits and as he moves in us to be able to walk it out in a new way. And from there, we receive this ability to live as sons and daughters of God. Look what, look what Jesus says in John, or no, sorry, John 1, 12 to 13. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And so if we're God's children, that must mean something, right? Romans eight seventeen. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, we have received an inheritance because of the favor of God. When that verse we read before says that we're seated with Christ, man, that means that we are co-heirs. That means that all of the goodness that is available from heaven, all of the riches, all of the resources, the joy, the peace, the purpose, the authority, all these different things are available to us because of the favor of God. We have everything that we need to be able to do this because of what Jesus has done. And as we're filled up and as we're, we repent, we're washed away and we're filled up with, with this identity, with this, this new inheritance from God, we don't just sit on it. We don't just polish it. We don't just do like, a, like Gollum did in Lord of the Rings and just go into a dark cave and say, oh, my precious, right? No, we go out, we redistribute this. We share it with the people around us in the same over-generous way that God has shared it with us. That means that the people who have hurt you, that have offended you, you share in an over-generous way the forgiveness that God has shown you. The same uh, joy, the same encouragement, the same empowerment that God has shown you, we share that, we speak that out to other people who need it. Jesus says in John 14, 12, that very truly whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now when Jesus was here walking on the earth, what are the works, what are the things that he did? He tells his cousin John, the Baptist, hey, the deaf are hearing the blind are seeing, the mute are speaking, the lame are walking, the dead are raised to life. And those are the types of things that we get to do. And we're seeing it happen in our church. There's, there's physical, miraculous healing taking place for sure. But me personally, this is just me, I think what's more miraculous than a physical healing is the fact that we have people in here who years ago were harmful and destructive to themselves and other people. And now they're walking with people into a right relationship with God. 
The dead are raised to life. And that is happening. And we redistribute the glory and the favor that God has shown us. And it changes lives. And we're seeing it happen on a weekly basis here. It's an incredible thing to watch happen. So whatever you need to overcome sin, whatever you need to be empowered to walk in a miraculous and impossible way is made available to you because of the favor of God. Now, maybe you think, maybe you're sitting here thinking, man, I just don't have what it takes, Kyle. I don't have what it takes to be a good friend. I don't have what it takes. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've experienced. I don't have what it takes to be a good dad. I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, to, be, to do anything impactful. Kyle, I don't even have what it takes to say yes to the good things that will benefit me and the people in my life. I don't have what it takes to say no to the bad things that are bringing harm. And I just want to diffuse that for you. You're right. You don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. None of us have what it takes to be able to do this, to be able to walk out and to live this life. That is why we need the favor of God, and that is what the favor of God does, is that it allows us to be able to do these things. And, and you know, I've seen it in my own life, like, like Jenna's dad was here recently, um, and uh, this last week, like I shared earlier, and as he was leaving on Saturday, yesterday, you know, he's giving me a hug, and he says, Kyle, you're a really good husband to my daughter. You're a really good dad to your kids. And that means a lot because he's an incredible dad. He's an incredible man. I looked up to, look up to him a lot. And, uh, you know, even when we were dating and stuff, he did not like me <laughs> at all. And he had every reason to not like me. I'll just throw, I'll give him that freebie there. He had every reason not to like me. But for him to say that is huge. But the reality is I have no idea, no earthly idea what I'm doing as a dad. I didn't grow up with, any, uh, with a dad. The male influences, the male role models in my life were minimal and we're, we're awful at best. There are horrible representations of masculinity and manhood. But because of the favor of God, can I see my phone real quick? I thought I had it in my pocket. But because of the favor of God, I'm able to do this. And I have no idea what I'm doing. But thankfully, God has, I wrote these down this morning. I'm sitting there getting ready, drinking some coffee. And Caroline Rose, my daughter, she comes up to me. She says, Dad, I'm the teacher. You're the student. I'm like, okay, what did we learn today? She's like, she has no idea what I'm talking about. She's five, right? I'm going to teach you how to be a dad. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're the teacher. I'm the student. Teach me. I was like, what's the first rule? And listen, these are the five rules. She said, we, have to, we had three. She said, we have to do five, so it's the whole hand, okay? <laughs> All right, Caroline, teach me. Listen to this, man. Like, this is the favor of God, right? I have no idea, but somehow this little girl knows this stuff. Number one, be healthy. Eat healthy and feed your kids healthy food. <laughs> Number two, take care of the family when they're sick, even mom. <laughs> Number three, having fun with joy. So not just having fun, but having fun with joy. Number three. Number four, cleaning up for the family. That means mowing the lawn, Dad. <laughs> the weeds are up to the fence, man. So she's teaching me some stuff. Number five, going shopping with the family and going to church with the family. So I have no idea. I have no idea how to do this, but somehow... God is teaching me. God is showing me how to do it. And I'm grateful for it. My perfect bio means no. But the point is, that's the favor that's available to us. That when we have such a huge deficit and a lack of what it even means to be a decent human, how to serve, how to love, how to give back, God makes a way for us to be able to do that through his, through his favor. And it's like what Jesus says in Luke 18, 27. It's completely impossible with us. But look what Jesus says. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Whatever it is you have going on in your life, whatever it is you're endeavoring, you're planning on doing, whatever it is that you're facing, 
It's impossible without God. We need the favor of God to be able to do that. And so the other thing too, so uh, one of the pitfalls that I've seen a lot of people fall into is when they start to compare. So comparison kills favor. Comparison will kill favor. I'll show you biblically how and why that happens. Because, right, if favor is something that's unearned, right, how can, how, how can we, by, by comparing, kill it? Well, let's look at that. Comparison kills favor. It kills the impact and the influence of favor in our lives. It's because comparison is essentially coveting. And when we covet, we're looking at something that somebody else has and we desire it. Man, their kids are so much better behaved than mine. Man, their house is so much nicer. Man, she is so much like just smarter and more eloquent and has such a grace about her. Gosh, man, if only my wife was like his wife, what would our household be like? Our marriage would be so much better. Man, all of these things, all these comparisons that we make, it is coveting. And it's something that brings death. It kills the favor of God in our lives. And it's one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, 17. Don't covet your neighbor's anything. Don't compare. Because when we start comparing, we start coveting. We start wanting what they have. And here's the thing about, like, the Ten Commandments is we're all cool. We're all on board. We understand. We get that murder leads to death. Yet we spend so much of our time comparing and wonder why we're miserable. We compare and wonder why our marriages are failing. We compare and wonder why we don't want to go home at the end of the day. We compare and wonder why we hate our jobs so much. Maybe it's because you're comparing and not living with thankfulness. Because comparison kills favor, but watch this. Thankfulness causes favor to flourish. And when we start to practice and to cultivate and to get into thankfulness, our eyes become open to even the most insignificant, mundane things in our lives that seem like so like minuscule. When we start practicing thankfulness for the good that God has placed in our lives, there's a Bible verse escaping me now, but it says he fills our life with good things. And in James, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly light. So when we can start practicing thankfulness, our eyes are opened. And to kind of reference what Pastor Andy was, was preaching on last week, you know, while we're waiting in line to get to Disneyland, are we going to sit there and be miserable because somebody has an umbrella and a chair or somebody has an ice chest with coolers? Somebody bought a way for you to be able to get into heavenly, eternal heavenly favor. And we're going to compare and when we start to be thankful, when we start to practice gratitude, man, even the warm PB&J sandwiches that we have while waiting in line are divine. Because if we look at what we were talking about earlier, what we deserve is ashes. But what God has given us is his favor, is his eternal favor, his heavenly favor. And when we can start practicing thankfulness and gratitude, it shifts our perspectives into that. And so we're, we're going to do something here, um, here in a couple of minutes. Um, so be ready. But what helped me a ton, because, you know, a lot of times through my life I had, I had a lot of really heavy depression and, and it was really hard to see anything good in my life. And maybe you've experienced something like that. But what I started to do is every single day I would write 10 things that I was grateful for. I'd start a gratitude journal and I would write them out. Now, I totally understand that when you're overwhelmed by depression and darkness, when your kids are freaking out, going off the rails, when your, your job is stressing you out to the max and, and every second of your thought space is consumed with work, I totally understand that it's hard to do this. That's why it's practicing. And so uh, 
when, I remember when I first started to do it, as we started to practice these practical ways to practice thankfulness, is I would just have my list of 10 things, and I would write, I was talking with these guys about it, I'd write like coffee. I'm grateful for coffee. I'm grateful for air conditioning. Yeah. I'm grateful for a pillow. I'm grateful for a couch. I'm grateful for the table that I'm writing at. So when we start to do that, again, it's not so much that favor is altered. It's more that our awareness of the favor of God in our lives is altered. And our eyes become open. We become more aware of the good things that God has filled our lives with. And so what we're going to do for the next uh, probably like 120 seconds, we're going to do it for two minutes. So we've, got, we've got enough time to do this, is if you have a pen or a paper or you have a phone with a note, tab, whatever, is we're going to do this this morning. We're not going to walk away. We're not going to escape. You're going to do this this morning. You're going to write out 10 things that you're grateful for as the music is playing, as we kind of have this background thing going. You're going to write out 10 things that you're grateful for. And if you're feeling super brave and super courageous, I challenge you to, to post them on a Facebook, post them on a Twitter, on a social media. Here are the 10 things that I'm grateful for. So as the music's playing, we'll, we'll just do that for the next, uh, next two minutes. So take your time. You got two minutes. 10 things that you're grateful for. that the, the, the value of one of those 10 things is not as important as the practice of writing down 10 things. So don't feel, well, hey, man, coffee or this comfortable chair or my car aren't good enough to put on the list of 10 things. Whatever it is that comes to your mind, 10 things, dig deep. I love, Ray might put, I like the, the red Dunlop picks, the tar picks, right? Whatever it is. It doesn't have to be this significant thing to practice thankfulness. To do this daily. up here, whatever it is you are facing, remember God has an unlimited supply of favor for you. Again, those people here a few years ago were total wrecks and are now walking people into a right relationship with God. They're mentoring and coaching people to know what it's like to make right decisions and to be able to see the favor of God in their own lives. And, 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 and we're seeing it all throughout our church. It's an incredible thing. And so as we wrap up, think, who are the people in your life that need to know about this favor? What would their lives be like 
as messed up and as much of a wreck as their lives are, what would their lives be like if the favor of God impacted them and began to transform them? Because favor is transforming our church and the people in our church in just miraculous and impossible ways. It just doesn't make sense, but it's an incredible opportunity to watch it, to be a part of it, and to be part of the, the changing as well. So I'm going to pray, and then Jacob's going to come up. Father, I thank you so much, God, just for your favor for us, for how good you are, that you made a way for us to get free from sin and to be empowered to walk in a new way, to participate with you, to be co-heirs with you in your favor, to be able to do miraculous, impossible things, God, like being good dads and being good friends and, and creating change and positive impact in people's lives. God, we thank you for it. We thank you for the transformation that's taken place in us, through us, and around us. And God, we pray that we would never lose sight of just the favor you have for each and every one of us, God. Help us to not compare. Help us to, to practice thankfulness and to recognize the goodness that you've shown us in our lives, God. Lord, we love you so much, Jesus, and we're grateful for everything you've done and you're doing and you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Jacob. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.